have a plan for your life? Do you know where you want to go? Are you looking to be happier, healthier, and wealthier while having more fun every day? Meet our empowerment architect and goddess gardener, Cynthia Bryan, as she engages in energetic exchanges with success experts, bringing you research, innovations, strategies, and techniques to strengthen your life, business, and personal spaces. Be inspired, motivated, encouraged, and empowered. Lend us your ears right here on Star Style. Be the star you are. The party starts now. Well, today is really a star style day because we're going to be really talking about design and interiors and decluttering and all those kinds of things that keep our space and our life neat and tidy. Hello, Power Partners. Welcome to Star Style. Be the star you are. I am your host. I'm Cynthia Bryan. We're coming to you live on the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel, and the show is brought to you, as always, by Be The Star You Are charity. We have a bright new year. The website is bethestarur.org. We hope that you will get involved, make a donation, volunteer, whatever, so that we can empower women, families, and youth and increase our outreach projects. The Miracle Moment for today is brought to you by Be The Star You Are. Again, bethestarur.org. It's from Leo Tolstoy. If you want to be happy, be. <laughs> I like that a lot. It's just B. I always had, I was writing a book, well, I probably will still write it called um, uh, Doobie. And it's like so many people just do, do, do. But the real reality of life is if when we be, then we can do because we really can um, dream the dream and live the dream. Well, you're probably wondering what today's show is going to be about with that little bit of teaser that I gave you. Well, uh, coming up in segment two, if you have been paying attention to all these new books and shows and stuff are out there that are telling you to get rid of all your stuff, you know, and only keep what makes you happy and gives you joy. Uh, Marla Stone is the author of The Clutter Remedy, a guide to getting organized for those who love their stuff. And I really like her book. She's a psychotherapist as well as an organizing expert. And what I liked about it is she can help you find a space for all the things that you love so that you don't have to throw everything out, which I'm not a big believer. I'm all about the re, you know, reuse, repurpose, recycle, redo, all of that. So if everything speaks joy to you, you're going to be in for a treat when uh, she comes in the second segment with the clutter remedy. Now, what role does horticulture play in the cities of the future? And you want to know why it's so important that we start really embracing the power of re. Garden Media Group has a lot to say about the landscape trends for this year, and I'm going to be talking about that coming right up. But also, I want to talk about designing for the extremes, because 90% of U.S. homeowners have reported that they would prefer to stay in their homes as they age, you know, as opposed to moving to um, a self, you know, assisted living or some other kind of service. People really aren't in the mood to do that, if at all possible. Now, the American Institute of Architects did a survey 
And they found that the desire to age in place is a top driver of all the current architectural work that's going on. So accessibility, gosh, why I'm having a problem with that word today. Accessibility features, uh, single floor plans, open floor plans, they were all top five trends in home layout and design. And then there was a survey that found that adults who are 50 years old that um, and they lack housing features that could make them more comfortable and safe as they're aging. And it's reported that the absence of age-friendly home elements like wide doorways, non-slip floor surfaces, bathroom aids, you know, those would be like hold bars. Um, most houses don't have them. And the thing about it is, is it doesn't really matter what age you are, even if you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, if you have guests over or you have friends or family members who are a bit older, and it could be in their late 40s or 50s, they might be diagnosed with some life-changing physical or neurological conditions that might affect their strength or their cognitive abilities. And unless you make your own home, as welcoming as their home is, they're not going to be able to visit you or they're not going to be able to join in gatherings that you might have. So you want to think about this, you know, in advance. So I think we all have a responsibility to make our homes as completely accessible as possible. And especially if you're going to be remodeling or, you know, or redoing, you're doing a new project then you want to be able to choose the, um, the finishes and the surfaces that are going to be able to age with you and with others. Now, in 2014, there were 46.2 million people here in the United States that were 65 years or older. So that was about 14.5% of the population. But it's estimated by 2060 the number is going to be more than 98 million. So it is likely that the demand for residential units that are built to accommodate those who are planning to age independently is going to increase significantly. So this is why the features, the products, the technology, they all have to be adapted to address this dynamic range of abilities and situations so that we can tap fully into the future housing market. Now, configuration of an environment in a way that is usable, comfortable, and safe by all people to the greatest extent possible is commonly referred to as universal design. And if you've been listening to this show for the last 21, was, oh, now we're in the 22nd year, last 22 years, you know that for more than 25 years, I have been a professional interior designer with American Society of Interior Designers and also a certified California designer. So offering universal design features are simply kind of standard building components that are selected more thoughtfully, they're resized, and they're more strategically placed. So some examples include um, additional peepholes that might be placed lower on front doors in case somebody would be in a wheelchair. So wider than normal doorways and stepless entryways. Now, those are features that are obviously helpful to someone with an injury or in a wheelchair, 
But it could also be, you know, a lot really helpful for less obvious users, such as a parent, a young parent that has a stroller, or maybe a mover who's trying to maneuver a great big new king-size mattress into a bedroom. The Center for Universal Design identified 14 priority design features that anyone should consider if they're planning on remodeling their home. And that's regardless of age. So no matter who you are, if you're going to spend any money remodeling your home, uh, it's going to pay off in the long run. If incorporated strategically within a remodel, most of these features really don't impact the cost of the project that much. And they don't negatively impact the appearance, but it's going to maximize the number of users who can comfortably use the space now and in the future. And that also means if it's a space that you own, that it will be easier to sell down the line. So expanding upon the goal of universal design, a design that enhances occupant health and well-being holistically is identified as truly one of the top emerging themes in real estate. So realtors, you know, this is something that they push now. I mean, given that half of all U.S. adults have a preventable, but they might have a costly chronic disease, medical and building professionals really want to harness that power of design to encourage healthier lifestyles through improvements in areas like air quality, water quality, nutrition, and fitness. So what are the 14 or universal design features? I'll just give you a, um, a few of them. So one, of course, is an entrance without steps or a flat or very low threshold, or you could also have a ramp. But if you just have at least one area of the house that you can get into, that's flat as opposed to having steps, that's going to be helping. A minimum of a 60-inch level maneuvering space at the uh, stepless entrance. And hall width should be at least 42 inches. I prefer them actually a little bit bigger. I mean, I think 48 is better, but again, every few inches costs a little bit money. So uh, passage doors, you need a 32-inch clearance. You also need a maneuvering space at doors and an increased number of electrical outlets because people have more electrical um, things to plug in these days, additional lighting, alarm indicators, and you want all those things, you know, especially in places like the bedroom or even bathrooms where you may need to see more. You want to have clear floor space in the kitchen and adaptable cabinets that have um, a knee space at sink and under work surface near cooking appliances, clear floor space in the bathroom, of course. Um, you want a tub or shower controls that can minimize stooping, bending, reaching, a toilet in a 48 by 56 inch space, and the center line is 18 inches from a sidewall, and curbless showers that are three by five feet are, you know, are really actually best. Now, science actually weighs in on this too, and it is suggesting that it could be one of the most important factors affecting how much we move, what we eat, how we manage stress, and how fast we recover from a disease or injury just by changing our design. It really influences our health and our well-being. For example, if you put diffused lighting and glare reduction in homes, it can minimize discomfort 
for anybody who has cataracts. Now, cataracts are, you know, it's like clouding of the eyes. It's something that you got to get checked for because evidently you can't, um, they don't cause pain. It just clouds your eyes. Now, another thing, and this is really important, like for hospitals, a view of nature can help patients recover faster and use less pain medication than those without views to nature. And I know for me, when I've had um, to have a knee surgery or my spinal surgery, the first thing that I wanted to do was to have views of outside and also be able to listen to the sound of water and the birds. And, you know, fortunately, I didn't have to take any medications, any pain medications at all, despite the fact that these were pretty major surgeries. So I do think that nature is a great healer. And so the views of nature can can be really, really effective. Also, you want a really great acoustical design, and that can help calm and engage you. And like if a person has dementia or a person suffers from confusion, illusions, frustration, agitation, too much exposure to noise can be really distracting and uncomfortable. So you want to have some good acoustical design. And of course, designers can help you with this. Now, homes that are designed to accommodate people who are going to age in place or to accommodate people who are sick or disabled can benefit everybody in long-term comfort, in safety, and also just in independence living. So it's so important. Like if you have a breathing disorder, if you have asthma, you know, a respiratory problem, maybe you're going to want to have um, a different heating, ventilating, HVAC system, you might want to have a supplemental dehumidification system. You might want natural ventilation. You want to be able to reduce dust mites and allergens and off-gassing. And ultimately, these components will create a healthy environment for all residents and guests. I know I put in a steam unit in my shower, which was so helpful uh, in keeping allergens away and, and uh, any kind of respiratory things. So some design solutions could include uh, optimizing your air quality through reducing the indoor air pollutants, providing adequate filtration and ventilation, optimizing your water quality through filtration and uh, treatment. And a lot of places where I live, we're really lucky. We have really excellent water, very, very clean mountain water. But a lot of places, I know where my daughter lives, they had to put in a filtration. They It actually was causing them to um, break out in rashes and they had breathing ailments. So you have to, you know, it's coming from the water. You have to make healthy food choices. And the easy choice by increasing access and visibility to the healthy food. So that way you can limit your portion sizes, you know, use smaller dishes, smaller cups, etc. Optimize your lighting design to provide adequate daylight, reduce glare, and that can align with your circadian rhythm. You also want your home to be able to encourage physical activity so that you can get outside. So you want doors that can access the outside and create spaces that are comfortable, thermally comfortable, that are ergonomic and universally accessible. And then optimize your cognitive health by incorporating natural elements and beauty into design, adding plants into the house. Well, that will clean the air. 
And just remember that homes designed to accommodate the aging, the sick, or the disabled people will benefit everybody in the long term. And it's said that the benefits, that it only takes about 45 months. This is what, according to research, yeah, to recoup any money that you have spent on a remodeling project that is going to help with, um, with this upgrade. So I think that that's worth it. So the benefits of designing for life, whether for enhancing health and well-being, for encouraging longevity, um, these are really, really important. The population is going to grow. We're going to live longer. And we need housing that's going to support aging healthfully in place. That's going to continue to rise. So as designers, incorporating universal design principles along with healthy building standards, this is going to really um, help people uh, in the long run. Uh, and a research study was comparing cost of remodeling uh, for age in home and moving and the difference between moving to an assisted living. And they calculated the potential annual savings of actually remodeling would be at least $16,000. And, of course, that depends on various scenarios and what state you're in and, you know, how much your mortgage, your rent, your condo association, your health care needs, et cetera. But when the cost to upgrade a home to universal design can be amortized for 45 months and enjoyed for years and years and years, it's definitely well worth it. So we're going to go to break, and I'm very excited to talk with Marla Stone when we come back. Her book is The Clutter Remedy, A Guide to Getting Organized for Those Who Love Their Stuff, and she's going to help you be perpetually organized, and it's going to save you money and keep you healthier as well. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. Back in just a bit for a chat. Don't go away. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. Are you seeking a dynamo speaker for your meeting, conference, or organization? Internationally recognized keynote speaker and New York Times bestselling author and lifestyle coach, Cynthia Bryan, will bring her energetic expertise, passionate professionalism, and ebullient personality to your event. Hailed as an expert in lifestyle, women's issues, self-help, personal balance, leadership, media, gardening, and interior design topics, Cynthia Bryan is a popular empowerment keynote speaker around the world, lecturing to audiences of 100 to 5,000. For rates and bookings, call 925-377-STAR, 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 and visit www.cynthiabryan.com. When you want the best, book Cynthia Bryan, www.cynthiabryan.com. This business of show business is calling out to me. Get started acting or modeling with a consultation from media coach extraordinaire Cynthia Bryan, who has guided entertainment careers for over two decades. Call 925-377-STAR or visit www.cynthiabryan.com. Pick up a copy of her award-winning book, The Business of Show Business, and start living your dreams today. Call 925-377-STAR. 925-377-STAR. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are. 
with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. One of my favorite gurus said, do or do not. There is no try. That's Yoda, in case you don't remember. I am so excited for my next guest, Marla Stone. She is the author of The Clutter Remedy, a guide to getting organized for those who love their stuff, because I am so tired of being told that if I, I, you know, I have to throw everything away (laughs) in order to find joy in my life. Marla is the owner of Ideal Lifestyle. It provides decluttering, design, corporate training, lifestyle coaching services, and she's a former social worker and psychotherapist. So her book is actually more than just an organizer. Hello, Marla, and welcome to Starla. (laughs) It's just star style, be the star you are. Hi, Cynthia. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to have you on because I am one of these people that I really, I, I really enjoy having collections. I am a very organized person, but I'm so tired of all the books and all the people that are getting all the publicity telling us that we have to just get down to nothing because exactly, <laughs> exactly. It just seems so, It I don't know, there's something wonderful about having what you love and your heirlooms around you as long as they are organized and clean and in a proper place. And so The Clutter Remedy, your new book, A Guide to Getting Organized for Those Who Love Their Stuff, can help all of us, no matter who we are, do exactly that by finding out what's useful if it serves a purpose, if it's sentimental, and finally, if we love it. So why don't you just give us a little backstory, Marla, on what prompted you to write the book in the first place? Well, you know, I was a social worker psychotherapist for a total of 10, uh, 17 years, 10 years in private practice. And I had been helping a lot of people recreate themselves. And then I finally found this professional organizing, and I thought, that's perfect, I can do Tupperware. And then when I went to see my first client in 2011, we filled 40 big, large black trash bags full of clothing. That's just so amazing. (laughs) Yeah, she had bought clothing because she was going through a divorce. And, you know, there was she felt this hole inside of her. She felt unhappy and desperate. She was sleeping on the couch downstairs. There were toys everywhere. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of old fashioned social work here. And then as I went along, I realized there was not so much of a push then in 2011 about getting rid of stuff, but I guess in the recent, in the last two years, I guess, but in my industry of professional organizing, that was the push. And so when I was in this little networking group and they kept saying, oh, I made this lady get rid of this and this and that, or, you know, this guy had so much, but I just told him to put it in the trash. And I was appalled because I Thank goodness. couldn't Thank imagine goodness. somebody coming into my home and telling me to do that. Right, right, right. That's what's so, and you know, that was what attracted me to you. I don't know if you heard the first segment, but I've been um, um, a professional interior designer. It's one of my past careers uh, for over 25 years as a professional ASID and California um, designer. But anyway, 
that would be the last thing I would ever do is to try to convince someone. I think that you have to go where people are and help them organize and make their homes as beautiful as possible, but in their spirit, not in the likeness of you. <laughs> and that's so exactly, that's, exactly. I, loved the, I loved your approach. I felt that it was real and it really took the client in mind. So continue with your story. Exactly. So, um, you know, as a th when I was a therapist, that's the thing. You're supposed to meet the client where they are. And so I took all those same principles as a therapist and brought them into professional organizing. And I thought the first thing, you know, I want to do is develop a relationship with this person and see what they value, what they truly believe is, you know, what their lifestyle would that they would love to have. And I, I wanted to know more about their life because then I could understand the stuff they had around them better. And so when I was talking to people, I realized there was a lot of wounding sometimes and they still held on to things because they felt guilty about getting rid of things. For instance, if their mom died or somebody died, they were holding on to stuff for years that belonged to somebody else. And so they were torn about what they should do with their things. And so that's when I realized it's, it's not about getting rid of things. It's about making good decisions about what we keep, who we keep, and what we keep in our life. And so therefore, I made up the criteria. And it really just came to me uh, after working on, I think, about 500 properties at the time, I thought there is an easier way to help people. And so I thought, you know, will you use it? Even if it's once a year, your turkey platter, you're going to keep that. It doesn't serve a purpose. Those are things like the key to the fireplace or extra key to the car or community pool. You may never use it. But, but you need it. I mean, if you lose one, you have the second one. Yeah. Yes. And, and you don't need it, but you sure want it or you will pay for another one. And then also, uh, I, you know, thought sentimental and then do you love it? And, you know, so many things held sentimentality, but they had it like in their drawer in their desk or in the kitchen cabinet or right, right there when it wasn't something they used daily, weekly or monthly. So I just started saying, can we put all the sentimental together and then just get it out of your daily, weekly, monthly space? And people were like, oh, yes, thank you. And so, you know, that that was one thing that just started to help the process and no more piles. You know, I read all the books. Oh, I hate that. I mean, I, I wish that, especially papers, especially, you know, it's like file, don't pile. I mean, it's, I, it is really frustrating. I had actually a literary agent once when I was writing one of my first books. And when um, they invited me to their house, I literally couldn't get through the door. They had piles oh of gosh. books, newspapers, magazines. It was such a fire hazard. I thought, oh my God, this is really scary. I don't think I can, I don't know what's going on here. But you know, it's interesting how many people do that. Yes, we're human, we're natural born pilers. That's what I do know about humans. And, you know, I don't like the H word. I don't know if you know that, but I don't like the H word. I really believe that's for animals. But we also like to overaccumulate and overcollect things. You know, if you've ever gone to a trade fair, one of those conferences, and they have all the pens and the candy and the rubber band stuff and, you know, everything. And we, we tend to want to pick up everything because it's free. 
Uh, and so I understand human nature, but when going to do the actual organizing, the most current methods of the time were, and I think they still are, is we'll make a pile for, for donate and we'll make a pile for keep and we'll make a pile for throw and we'll make a pile for gifts and we'll make a pile for selling things. And that was craziness. I was like, I, I can't remember it's which just pile more piles. I mean, it's really just more piles is what you're doing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I this you had a story in your book uh, when you're talking about all these freebies about a person who collected like, you know, rubber bands and the, the little bags. twist yeah. ties. And, and yeah. I mean, I was just in shock. Why would you need thousands and thousands of these? Although people do that. I knew a woman who had like 500 coffee cans on her stairs. And I was, you know, empty coffee cans, like the old time Folgers and mm -hmm. I don't know, Maxwell House. And I said to her, why do you need all this? Oh, that's for bacon grease. I was like, yeah. when... In your whole life, will you use five exactly. some baking grease? <laughs> yes, yes. But, you know, things symbolize things to people. And in the case of the gentleman, it symbolized him being thrifty. And he he realized he he really was very thrifty, but not in a good way. He had he had a bed that had holes in it. He had, you know, furniture that was so old and uh decrepit so when he realized that the these all these things he had saved he never even used them in fact he was storing his food in jars um, but then he realized I really could use some new furniture and I'm going to downsize and he started looking at what he really could use and deserve and and those those ties and the extra bags that you can get for free at the supermarket were not doing it for him and so it's <laughs> not yeah. And then one of the things I heard a lot of when I started working with people really listening was everything was a need. I need this for this and I need that for this and I need to go to the store and I need to get organized and I need to get my hair done and I need to polish my shoes and I need, I need, I need. And people were needling themselves to death. And I, I went home one day when I realized that I am hearing I need at the beginning of every one sentence, whether in conjunction with something they owned or something they wanted to do. And I went and looked at this old dictionary I had, and lo and behold, it said need is necessity. You know, and necessity for me is air, food, water, shelter, sleep, elimination, sunlight, the seven things that keep us alive. And right. everything else is a want or a don't want, or you will do it or you won't do it. Right. Um, when I read and that's that, why that's why there's no try. That's it, why Yoda is very important here. Exactly. <laughs> do do not. There is no try. The, it, exactly. And then I went on to hear the the next phrase uh, I realized was the most one of the most used uh, phrases in human language is "I'll try" or "I tried" or "If but could should maybe possibly." Uh, someday, sometime, perhaps, and the most famous two indecisive words put together, kinda, sorta, or sorta, kinda. And I started to think, oh my gosh, we actually are walking around, including myself, sounding like village idiots. <laughs> and I thought, oh my, this is not good. This is 
this, you know, if we think everything's a need and we can't make decisions, we're really stuck as human beings that want to go forward and want to fulfill dreams and goals that we have. And so I started to look at the language patterns like I feel like or I feel that followed by a thought instead of a, of, you know, a feeling word. And the fact that people were unable to share their feelings when I said, well, how does that make you feel? And they would say either I don't know or, you know, five, five key feelings that I think we use for all the feelings we have, which are like frustrated, pissed off. Uh, upset, uh, irritated, overwhelmed. Overwhelmed seems to be the most favorite word for any feeling we have. Yeah, I think that's the big one right now. That's definitely a big one. If you're just joining us, I just want to tell you, we're speaking with Marla Stone. She's written a wonderful book called The Clutter Remedy, A Guide to Getting Organized for Those Who Love Their Stuff. Marla is talking about overwhelmed. Uh, what do you think the difference is between a disorder of being a hoarder, right, and uh, and somebody who just collects all these things and just doesn't know how to organize? Well, you know the the definition of hoarding is uh, it, it's that we overaccumulate and overcollect without the things around us um, serving a purpose or that we're using them at all. They're not even sentimental and don't particularly love them. It's really uh, like a protection or a barrier. And hoarding disorder, which I you know, I wish they hadn't called it that, but they did, uh, is it's in the brain. So the brain is really, um, it's like a primitive part of the brain that tells the person, you go out and get some more, go out and get some more. And then there's a churning process that happens with people with hoarding disorder uh, where they're constantly churning through it and, you know, looking and searching for these things and, and piling. And there's a behavior that goes along with having hoarding disorder. And it's a serious disorder. You know, it's in the category of uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's a serious uh, mental health challenge. And you do talk about um, different mental health challenges in your book, The Clutter Remedy, which I found really, really helpful. One thing I was wondering is, do you think that uh, the ability to be a good organizer starts in childhood um, and that we learn things from our parents? I know that we can all learn to be organized and you give a really great formula to fine tune your categories and organize your space. But I just think back to my own childhood where my, my mother um, and father were just really organized and it was sort of, it was a requirement for all of us as well. The minute we got up, we had to make our beds, you know, our clothes either went in the laundry or they were hung up. I mean, there, there wasn't a space to be cluttered. I mean, they, we Mm -hmm. really were taught that and then I brought that into my adult life as well it was like um cleanliness is next to godliness you know I've known I've known other people um that their motto was a clean house is the sign of an empty brain which I always found very offensive (laughs) but I (laughs) yeah I beg to differ too so I was just wondering if in both your 
when you were doing social work or in your psychoanalysis, as well as your profession in being an organizer, have you found that people who are more organized had have had a long time with it, have done it since they were young, or do you find well, that once you show them, they get it? Well, you know, I was not a really organized child. I, you know, some my my mother would have said I had ADD, and my father would have said, "Well, no, she doesn't. She just has, you know, she's just creative." Um, but and and you know, my mother was always on me, "Clean your room, clean your room," and I I really just wanted to play and not put things away. So as I got older, I went into really um, being sort of cluttered. Uh, and as I got older and more disciplined about it and thought, I don't want to be like that, you know, I worked on it. And it does take work. It takes will. When you take something out of a place, it takes will to put it back. And sometimes people go through different phases of being organized versus not organized based on grief and loss physical disability, mental health challenges. There's so many things that can derail you from remaining organized or what I call perpetually organized. And so it takes, it takes effort in the fact that there is, a, it's a physical thing. You know, well, why don't you give us, we don't have a lot of time, but let's, why don't you give us a couple of steps so people can live perpetually organized. And I'm going to just give out your website, too, so people can uh, visit it. It's i-deal-lifestyle.com, ideallifestyle.com, but with a hyphen between all of those. So give us a couple of um, tips or steps that you like to do, because it's good to know sure. that you don't have to be born as an organizer, that you can hire someone like yourself and can become invigorated and get your house clean. <laughs> exactly. Well, the first thing is to figure out what you truly value in life. You know, what do you love to do? Because that will tell you what stuff to keep around. Then you, you want to change your language to say, I will do this. I will get organized. It's not a need. It's, you know, if you're indecisive about it, you won't do it. And, you know, get true with the feelings that you have when you're disorganized versus organized. And then there's some motivation to stay that way. And then it's really easy with the clutter remedy st strategy. You take everything out of a pantry, for instance. The first step is empty out the pantry. You don't look at anything, ponder anything, contemplate anything that's coming out. Yeah, you just get it cleared out. Cleared out. Yeah. Then you automatically have a clear space to look at. And that is really a relief there. Next is that you start to categorize. So for instance, tomato with tomato, whether it's bottled, canned, dried, all tomato products with tomato products, condiments with condiments, whether it's salad dressing, mayonnaise, mustard, you know, condiments go with condiments, protein with protein, whether it's peanut butter, tuna fish, uh, any kind of you know, uh, beef jerky, anything that's protein goes with protein. Even some beans can be added into the protein section. Uh, cookies with cookies, snacks with snacks. Then once you take a look at all the dates and really go through what you're going to use, what you know will be eaten, 
food is obviously not sentimental, hopefully. And, you know, there's things we love, but it, you, you, you may never not know, right? Yeah. It, or you'll have an allergy. So you go through things and then only keep what you're going to have, you know, that you're going to actually use. And then you can fine tune things. So all vinegar can be with vinegar, oils with oils you know, uh, types of vegetables with vegetables. Yeah, so in other words, you put like with like, whatever it is that you're organizing, like with like. If you're doing your closet, it's blouses with blouses, dresses with dresses, you know, exactly. and, and then you can subcategorize it into colors, but exactly. just don't put it everywhere. So now exactly. that you've got that, then, yeah. you, then you decide whether, you, uh, what purpose it's serving, and do you love it, right? And of course, food, it's kind of a little bit different bit, but if it's clothes or a collectible. One other thing I always found with collectibles, if somebody, you know, they collect, I don't know, I, I know in your book you talked about somebody who had hundreds of picture frames or whatever. Um, if, if Whatever you do, if you could put them all together in one area, if you like, if you have, if you like pictures of your family, instead of all over your house, you know, put make a, a hall of fame or a wall of fame mm -hmm. or one area instead exactly. of everywhere or exactly. buy one of those, you know, those Nick's plays. I love those. I love those. Um, what are they called? They're like, you plug them in and you can put in a, a flash drive and it exactly. hold 2,500 pictures. Well, Marla, we're out of time. I want to give you a website again. The name of Marla's book is The Clutter Remedy. It's a guide to getting organized for those who love their stuff. Her website is i-deal-lifestyle.com. And this is a terrific book. It's not just a book about organizing either. You'll really, really get some insights on who you are and how your outer space is truly a reflection of your inner space. And uh, I think that this was just brilliant because it's very inspirational. So Marla, thank you so much for sharing all your ideas thank with you, us Cindy. here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Oh, thank you very much. And I hope that all of our listeners can find a way to be perpetually organized with the clutter remedy. You're listening to Cynthia Bryan. This is Star Style. Be the star you are. We'll be back in a bit. Don't go away. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. More companies are realizing that if their employees enjoy enough time with family and loved ones, their long-term productivity at work increases. Employers can take steps to make the workplace a more supportive and flexible environment. Make it acceptable for people to talk about their families. With so many single parents and a majority of women in the workforce, everyone from the CEO to the janitor is juggling to have a life of balance. Open communication about family commitments and work duties is imperative if we're going to transform and transfuse our culture with family-friendly companies. Your children and your company will be the real winners. 
Implement balance in your personal life for a better bottom line. Remember, you're the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another business bite from Star Style. For more information, visit CynthiaBryan.com. That's CynthiaBryan.com and Brian's with an I. Be the star you are. The star you are. The annual cost of illiteracy to American taxpayers is over $225 billion. Help increase literacy, reduce violence, and improve positive media messages by making a tax-deductible contribution to Be The Star You Are charity. A top-rated nonprofit, Be The Star You Are promotes positive role models, produces positive radio broadcasts, and donates positive books to empower women, families, and youth. Be a power partner and join our galaxy of stars. Visit our website at bethestarur.org to make a tax-deductible donation using PayPal or send checks to P.O. Box 376, 376, Moraga, California, 94556. Bethestarur.org. Dare to care. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. It's power time on Star Style. Be the star you are with your passion, purpose, and possibility producer, Cynthia Bryan. Now, back to the power party. This business of show. Well, thank you for staying around here on Star Style. Be the star you are. I hope you enjoyed all of Marla's tips. The book really is full of lots of really good organizing. And I, you know, I, I'm just one of these people. I'm very organized because obviously I juggle a lot of different hats and, and uh, careers. And I find that if you're organized, you can do it all. And it just takes less time to find all your papers. You know, if you file and don't pile and if you put things in the same place all the time. And as you know, when we had, uh, we evacuated because of a big fire I had all the things that I needed right there because I knew where they were. So it's really important to be able to, um, to know where things are. So pick up a copy of her book, The Clutter Remedy. Now, um, I, I wanted to talk to you about The Power of Re. After I wrote my column, The Power of Re, I received so many numerous positive con- uh, comments about how readers we're implementing re into their lives, you know, redo, reuse, recycle, rekindle, all of that. So it's really gratifying to know that people actually read my articles and listen to this show. And But I've often, often wondered, what do people do with the information they received? Well, I actually got, had somebody show me. Um, one um, listener wrote that she was very intrigued. Her name is Kathy Boyle. And, and she had written, uh, read my article. She wrote that she was intrigued by the ideas in the article of The Power of Re. And as she was reading, she was envisioning those ideas in the context of a gardening and recycling in her everyday life. And then I had this uh, quote by Cervantes, which was, take a deep breath of life and consider how it should be lived. And that inspired her 
because uh, she wanted to, you know, live her life in that way. She was an um, elementary school resource specialist for over 40 years, and she had learned the power and effectiveness of ideas being created into colorful bulletin boards for kids. And now that she's in retirement, she uses her doors, walls, windows, mirrors, even shower doors as bulletin boards at her home to display these colorful visual pages that inspire her. So she created this really cool card that was all about this article and this broadcast that I did that was the power of re and her innovations actually helped me reimagine my dream for this, um, talking about this second part, which I call dream green and Green careers are on the rise from boomers to Generation Z. People are finally understanding the call of the wild. From watering vacation gardens to talking to struggling plants, there's all kinds of jobs that you can fill. Horticultural therapy and plant blogging could actually become full-time careers. And as our climate warms and more natural disasters occur, it is time for everyone to wake up to dream green. Now, when I grew up on our farm, to be dirt poor meant we had plenty of land and not enough money. And I remember the first time when I visited New York, I think I was about 19, and there were these tiny little bags that were labeled dirt in a store, and they were being sold for $5 and $10. I immediately went to pay phone. I called home. I told my dad, whoa, we could be so rich if we packaged up our dirt because we had acres of dirt. But he responded that there was a big difference between soil and dirt. Healthy soil is rich in vitamins, minerals, and organic matter. And dirt doesn't have any nutritional value. And it's not valuable for growing anything. And unfortunately, today's soil has been stripped of its nutrients. There's erosion and deforestation have washed away one-third, listen to that, one-third of the world's topsoil. So crops are planted for yield, not for nutrition. And according to the United Nations Food and Agricultural Organization, if this negative trend doesn't retreat soon, organically rich soil is going to be eliminated by 2050. That seems to be that magic number. So we really have to dream green. So we have to embrace regenerative gardening practices, change methods of farming and forestry, we can mitigate carbon. We can reverse the damage. If we rebuild soil with organic matter, restore degraded soil, reduce runoff, we can compost, use cover cropping, no-till practices, and that'll help conserve wildlife. And we can return to native soil. So people are waking up to sustainability and the importance of caring for our environment composting actually reduces household waste by 40%. If you're not composting, you really need to do it. And by growing organically, we will revitalize the soil naturally. So plant cover crops of alfalfa, of clover, of beans, mustard, that's going to control weeds, add nutrients to the soil, uh, keep the drainage uh, well, it, that'll just keep away for uh, erosion. And when planted in lawns, clover actually adds nitrogen to the earth and that eliminates the need for additional fertilizer. So what about the greening of indoor spaces? If you don't have space outside, houseplants are connecting people with nature while cleaning the indoor air. And many young people have less income in smaller spaces so that you can use succulents, bromeliads, snake plants, 
fiddly fig, a piece of lilies. Oh, you know, take a class, add, attend a seminar, watch a how-to video on YouTube. There are all ways to learn how you can grow nature inside. And pollutions, pesticides, and UV radiation, climate change are all leading to the destruction of habitat for amphibians and wildlife. If your garden is quiet and silent, it's not healthy. You need to hear the croaking of the frogs, the singing of the birds, and the hooting of the owls. So they keep our gardens uh, vital. They dine on mosquitoes, beetles, snails, rats, gophers, and other pests. You can plant ferns if you have a water source, and that'll protect the frogs and the toads and the turtles. If you have a, um, like a pond, you can put, you can put water lilies to oxygenate the water while providing cover. Being woke is a popular refrain these days, and if we're going to dream green, we have to wake up and smell the roses. This year, we have to conceive unique, sustainable ideas so that we can achieve a world where we can actually breathe, live, and enjoy. So implement that power of re and dream green. So a couple of things that I want to tell you about is read. I I have, if you go to CynthiaBryan.com and go to garden articles, um, there is an article about asbestos and national uh, natural disasters guide, which is going to cover the impact of wildflowers, oh, wildflowers, wildfires on structures that are made with asbestos. And I'd really like you to read it. Go to asbestos.com and uh, you can see that where it goes to asbestos and natural desire, natural disasters. And if you want California specific, you would put in states, California. Also, um, re-educate yourself about mulch. This came from Ryan Tolfeson in Anchorage, Alaska. And if you go to www.akhomeshow.com, it's a fabulous article that he has on mulch information, a guide. And I just want to remind you to rest. It is wintertime, so take a break. You can sit by a fire on non-spare the air day and drink some hot cocoa and kind of just, you know, re refresh yourself because we really, really need that. Well, thank you for being great listeners and allowing me to be with you live every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. Make sure you're always tuned in to the Voice America Network. This is the Empowerment Channel. For information on Be The Star You Are, visit btsya.org. For more information about Star Style Productions, visit CynthiaBryan.com. My aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, motivate, and I want you to see beyond your physical being. And I want you to get organized. So read a book this week, Try the Clutter Remedy. And until next week when we celebrate again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles will keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan for Star Style. I thank you. I encourage you. Be the star you are. And until next week, get organized. And remember, do or do not, there is no try. Thanks for joining me. Be the star you are. The star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star. It's been a pleasure bringing you our life-changing program, Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We have you on our radar as it's our goal to inspire, inform, 
entertain, and motivate you to be the star you were born to be. For more information, visit StarStyleRadio.com. And to make a donation to the charity, go to BeTheStarYouAre.org. Ignite the flame that burns brightly within. Take charge of your life and coach yourself to success with our dynamic host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan, every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for another serving of champagne for the spirit and a power boost to live with star style. Until we celebrate together next week, be the star you are. you